0: existential crisis my
1: name is jay
0: <laughs> aka church and other drugs you heard me you know what i'm saying uh
1: what's up congregation jay first and hopes all,
0: first of all first of all you know who's not having an existential crisis you kevin mang and nathan
1: that's my boys
0: our newest patreons thanks dudes uh yeah. Jay is going to get right on sending you stickers. I am. We got to get it's them made true. people. Uh They're in process. I, I did promise. put in an order for shirts in all sizes though, so that should be here by like Christmas time. So I'll make a post. Um I know
1: Kevin. We should the- set up a Facebook shop. I think you can do that.
0: Yeah, that's what I need to do. That's what I need to do. Uh, uh. So what's
1: your crisis? So I'm going through an existential crisis, congregation. I feel like um, a midlife crisis, perhaps, even though I'm turning 31 on Saturday. Doesn't count. Here's the thing. I feel like I've lived enough life for a half a person. True. These are true. I really really think I might have. Um, So I'm going through – so we talked – I don't know if it was here or on our um, bonus episodes, which you can only get if you're a Patreon, so join our Patreon. But I talk a lot. I've been meditating a lot, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And I've
1: been like going through this like uh, period, um, to use some Christianese, uh, season. I've gone through a season of spiritual growth, mm. and um, I have like seven spot. Like I got four new sponsees all out of nowhere, and like I, it's things are a little hectic in my life. Um, but so I feel, but I feel more centered than I have in uh, years. Right. And I'm, so here's my crisis driving to work. I feel
0: more centered than I have in years. And here's Here's my crisis. crisis. (laughs) Okay.
1: Okay, So I'm driving to work yesterday. I have an hour long, almost an hour long commute to my office, right? Driving to work and I'm thinking about my day. I've already uh, exercised and meditated and I'm driving to work and I'm like, I have so much shit to do, but not one thing i have to do fucking matters to Ooh. anybody or to anything like not i'm not helping anybody at all i like where this right? is going so so congregation who may not know i'm a i'm a marketing executive i'm a i'm a vice president of a marketing agency i do digital marketing
0: for a company called enron <laughs> <laughs> That's a deep cut for you millennials.
1: That was good. That was good. Um, and so I'm like, hey, I'm getting this. I'm launching this new website, and we're doing this, and we're doing that. And like at the end of the day, everything that I do goes back to selling shit for other people, making other people a lot of money, right? Right. That's in in essence, that's my job. And um, and it's great. I get to provide a really. I have a really great working wage. I get to provide a great life for my family. Um, but what I do from nine to five doesn't help Dick. Like mm. it doesn't help anybody. Like I and I was I. So I've been going to the gym a lot, and um, this pastor friend of mine has been just like I'm running into him most mornings. Um, and it's not the fat bald one. That's what I was wondering. He's, no, it's a different pastor friend of mine. And um we were talking about church finance and how churches spend their money. And the church that he's a pastor of is actually run very similar to AA. They keep like three months of um of budget On in day. their save wait, uh, wait. In their savings account. Wait. And they spend the- and they give the rest away. Did you get a haircut? Um, a little while ago. Looks Does it good. look good? Look looks good? good. Looks good. I I just got out of the shower and I didn't like yeah. do anything to it. That's what it is. It's good. You like it? Yeah.
0: see I do. Very. Ooh, yeah. Got yeah, that sweet fade. Dog. Congregation. He uh he looks good.
1: He looks good. Got that sweet fade. Um, Three months a salary on deck. I mean budget. Budget. Yeah. So okay. and they give the rest of the money away, right? And so oh, we're talking bad. about we're just talking about churches and the and nonprofits in general. And I was comparing how AA works to that and stuff and. And um, he said, yeah, I, I'm not giving my life away to an organization that's just in it to hoard money, Ooh. is what he said. And and, um, and you and took was that like, personally. Well, no. Not personally, you but you took it to it heart.
0: You took it to heart.
1: Well, what I was thinking was, like, we all give our lives away to something. Yeah. Right? Like, we all give our lives. I spend – 40 to 60 hours a week giving my life away to my career right i miss shit i miss time with my kids you, you miss, know you and
0: miss the podcast for a while i
1: miss the podcast for a while and like um so i'm giving my life away to this thing but i don't know if i believe in it anymore
0: i think that's good i think you can still find of course you know i think it's good i think you can still find meaning in it though because because i've felt this way my entire life right so i've had to but i've still had to work so i've Mm -hmm. had to find meaning uh there's a good book i have it i can send it to you called garden city
1: and it's all about work interesting yeah send it to me yeah i was i just read um this book called uh hold on let me pull it up so i don't fuck up the name it's incredible. It's an incredible book, and it's been helpful. And um, and I've been getting some guidance the last couple of days. It has been really helpful. Oh, Man, search, Man search. Man <laughs> search. <laughs> it's a uh, Man's search for meaning by Victor oh, Frankl. Yeah, I've heard of that. And he he is a Holocaust survivor. Yeah, and he talks about finding meaning in suffering. Yeah, um, let me get that. And and you know I can use some of that stuff. You know, well, and the, the, it, well, what I was gonna say was the the basic.
0: And this has been the advice from my mother a bunch of times in my life. The basic thing is God has put you
1: somewhere. Shout out, Miss Miriam.
0: Shout out, Miss Miriam. Every time, what up? Uh, God has put you somewhere. For a reason, uh-huh. uh, your uh-huh. job is to be an emissary in that region. With those, sure. Would your then it kind of moves to co-workers.
1: No, I get that. No, I get um, that. And that's what my sponsor I mean, that's what my sponsor said pretty much too. Was like, you know, be of sir- go and be of service.
0: But that can only get you so far sometimes it seems. So, I don't know. Is it like
1: I don't know. I've never felt that before. I've never felt anything like that before about my career. It's always been like, you know, do your career thing and be super su- like that's my mindset always good. been my mindset has always been do your career thing, be super successful, but also help people like nights and weekends. Right. And I do right. that and I've done that. Um, so I don't know if like God's just planting. A s- I'm using so much Christianese. What? If God's just planting a seed in me for Could later be. or like what or, you know, so uh, I don't know. But it's weird. I've never felt that way before.
2: I, I say, I'm at a
1: place in my life right now where for, for the first time I think maybe ever that I don't give a shit about what's on my business card or like what car I drive or any of that shit. And it's incredibly free. Like it's incredibly freeing. Yes. But terrible. Um, but weird. weird. Like fucking okay. weird, dude. Yeah. Like we not, not I'm not scared. That's awesome. Just weird. Well,
0: then I'm just going to say just go with it. Write it out. Pray it out.
1: Listen. Yeah, so the problem is is I'm not feeling fulfilled in my job now and yeah. I have to work really hard at it. Like yeah. there's a lot of effort that goes into what I do. So anyway, so uh you know i welcome just hanging.
0: to 80% of the world, I think. <laughs> I'm just hanging in. Yeah. I'm just hanging real.
1: in, man. I yeah. think
0: you know what? I think this is where drugs come in. I think hey, this is where uh, drugs and alcohol uh, help you find yeah, fulfillment. Yeah. There's something hey. there's something called uh being a, a weekend warrior, have you heard of this? So what you do <laughs> is you work really hard, and then you party like insane on the weekend, right? You know what mm-hmm. I
1: should do is just like do tons of blow like while saying, at work. Dude.
0: Like, while insane, of Wall Street, that shit, dog. Yeah, boy. Tell me in the Bible where it says don't do cocaine. Find that verse. Nowhere. Find that verse. Nowhere. Kinsey, find it. Find it. uh let's get to this interview um yeah this this is uh the first oh no no, this one is very cool uh jesse sprinkle who also is feeling uh has feelings clan i you know what i always thought um they were related to preston (laughs)
1: <laughs> like straight
0: up i was like it was
1: just so interesting that, anyway it is very but inter- i assume, i assume that they weren't
0: oh yeah well uh he's um the brother of aaron sprinkle not kin to preston sprinkle uh the drummer for he was the drummer for demon hunter dead poetic uh he started poor old lou uh he, star- he helped out with the ugandan water project and he has a new water ministry which we'll talk about so really awesome renaissance man and he he's kind of went through the same thing you're going through of struggling to find fulfillment in life so maybe
1: he needs to be director of marketing for his water ministry
0: <laughs> no <laughs> but y'all uh show him some love and check this interview speak out
2: speak to me is something wrong i've fallen by the wayside holding on to what you bring As the future slowly
1: draws, the colour of the first light, and all I can do is dream.
2: Hit the old button there. I was born, I was born a human. (laughs) No. Well, I mean, just starting with music. I mean, um, obviously, my brother's a huge part of it because we grew up together I have known him since I was a kid. Uh-huh. <laughs> what's the uh, what's the age gap there? Um, just two years. He's uh, two years older than me. So I'm, okay, I'm,
0: I'm the little brother. You're you're the little brother. I'm I'm the little brother of a sister as well. So I
2: I get that. So I've been. Uh, I mean, I'll get this out of the way first. I mean, I've I've respected and looked up to my brother my whole life and I always will um and he's been a big part of my life he I, I have admitted that I'm kind of like the the little brother and I and people kind of know him and then eventually say oh you're related to Aaron kind of a thing which I do struggle with a little bit that, but and I totally <laughs> I totally like wanted to avoid that too like no, it's, it's not a I don't have a problem bringing it up. I just don't want him to ever think that I'm talking trash about him. But um, I mean, I've I've had situations where people email me saying like, Oh, like you're Jesse. Are you related to Aaron? Or do you do music too? That kind of a thing. Like, yeah, we started together a long long time ago, (laughs) but but I know that he has had um, more obvious like success with the music industry. So I have, played a different role which it's, is great but i've also been in like at, at the same time though m- some people know me more for being in bands that are out there doing stuff so they run into me more often which he's kind of the behind the scenes
0: it's the curse of the drummer man it, it'll yeah. always be there I, i'm a drummer as well and
2: you get no you get no glory man <laughs> just once in a while i had a i played uh this is another side note i've been playing locally with cover bands oh, which nice. i never never thought i would ever do because i I thought that was kind of like a step down but as far as getting income in a in a smaller area it's like people don't want to hear original music so no i was playing in syracuse this weekend and thinking that the singer was uh the focus of the band somebody came up to me going oh i always look at the drummer and i'm like wow that happens sometimes (laughs) but anyways but not that great of a story but i grew up uh (laughs) We were born and raised on an island outside of Seattle called Vashon, and uh, the band started really early. Uh, the fun note is that we had two singers when we were really young. One singer we kept for Poor Lou, and the other singer ended up being in a small group called Sunday Day Real Estate, which nobody's ever heard of.
0: I'm kidding. No way. Um,
2: yeah, so Jeremy Enoch was the other singer, and Scott was... The other singer and this is when um, y'all were all like
0: 13 16
2: yeah i was oh gosh i was yeah i was 13 according were, to wikipedia
0: you were 13 yeah, yeah
2: so we decided to keep scott and then jeremy <laughs> was like, uh, which uh we're all good now of course but um it's i i'm like totally honored to have been a part of the early days with with jeremy and he's a an incredible musician y'all still keep Uh, in touch yeah yeah to a degree yeah he's difficult to uh stay in touch with on a regular basis because he's Um, but which i was just talking to my friend the other day but i wish i could hang out with him more often but um so we we kept doing poor lou i got signed when i was 16 the other guys were 18 so i i actually dropped out of high school to be in poor lu wow which most parents would not be a fan of but my parents being like musically oriented were like that's great go for it oh that's really so, cool. so when i tell uh aspiring musicians that story they go back to their parents and their parents come to me saying did you tell my kid to drop out of school and i say <laughs> no um so we started touring and doing records and then oh gosh not not too many years later is when we decided to disband i can't even remember how it happened exactly because um matt uh carter interviewed me recently about band breakups for a tooth and am podcast and i honestly couldn't even remember how poor Lou broke up like he wanted like the juicy details and i was like well we broke up and then i moved to new york like I really very very uneventful yeah yeah he was like I wanted more than that um maybe I blocked out memories I don't know <laughs> but at that time I had gotten engaged and then I moved to New York and my wife is from this area and uh, was in college so I decided to to honor that and then I've been out here for you know about half of my life now so how so how and old were you bad. when you got married I was 20
0: oh wow so that's like so how how old are you now? I am so the exactly something like that.
2: well, that's awesome uh, i'm, for, I'm one now, actually
0: dude, that's awesome that's uh you don't hear about that much these I just got married, just had our year, so all oh, the babies, dude, I know you got <laughs> ferrets and everything, yeah, we got two ferrets and two cats, which uh <laughs> <laughs> you know well kids are coming, man, but do you have any kids? I have five. Well, then you have some kids.
2: Yes, so I do. you're a fan. Uh, yep. Uh, my, uh, youngest's birthday is today. I mentioned that he's a uh, six and then I have a nine year old son. So I, the, the the youngest two are our boys. And then I have 12 year old, 15 year old and almost 19 year old daughters. So, yeah. Pretty soon I'll have three teenage daughters in my house and it's going to be insane. Uh, uh... I will pray for you. I need that. actually. I will absolutely pray for you. <laughs> so,
0: so you seem surprised. Not surprisingly, you seem very well rounded for a 13 year old kid that got signed to a band and toured. You know, what, you know what I mean. Like there, so were there some the pitfalls that like you missed, or like what what was like? I don't know. What was the environment touring like back then?
2: Um, never heard anybody call me well-rounded, but, um, Uh, no, I, well, the funny thing is, I mean, if we're talking about just like life struggles, I, I skipped all of the, uh, teenage rebellion, all that kind of stuff. I just was busy doing stuff. I mean, I wasn't, (laughs) I wasn't better than anybody else. I, uh, just was busy, you know? So, uh, the, the problems that came in my life were later which I don't I don't know how much I want to talk about it but um hey we go we're
0: more kind of like, <laughs> what's that we, we do deep dives man so there's nothing off there. <laughs> we're talking about some pretty uh heavy stuff but it's up to you yeah,
2: yeah well yeah so it was more later when I was trying to figure out who I was you know I was in a new area in new york you know married and you know we're starting to we're starting family and all that kind of stuff and i mean that's when life got kind of crazier touring as far as you ask like early on i mean it was simple and easy you know life was kind of normal and we played music and people liked it i missed the days when people came to concerts and liked bands and bought music yeah um you know, so if you want to talk about like my resentment towards the the digital age—that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, <laughs> but, that's uh, certainly different. People don't seem to support music the same way they used to. Um, but uh, it was more later on when things got a little crazy, and uh, I think it's—I mean—it's interesting because I played in so many bands, and maybe that's why life was bizarre because I—I was like a hired drummer for so many different acts, you know. So I saw different different parts of the country different different styles of bands to work with all that kind of stuff so uh in ways it was great in ways it was taxing so um but i'm here trying not to be super jaded i mean i have people i run recording studios my day job so i have musicians that come through that are like hungry and young and excited and they see like hey hey, you seem to not love music the way i thought you would (laughs) it's like because i'm kind of tired of it (laughs) yeah that's tough but I still try to keep some sort of passion towards the arts, you know.
0: So, so, uh,
2: so you're married in 20. Yeah. Where do we go from there? We go from, oh my goodness, um, being across this is the interesting thing is, you know, I, I would love to say I was, I'm well rounded, but going from living with your folks on the west coast you know to i'm married and i'm in new york and i don't know what i'm doing with myself for a while i thought at that point when i was newly married and out here i kind of i had this like crazy idea like hey i don't want to do music for a living you know i want to i want to do it you know when i'm passionate but blah blah blah." so i took some odd jobs here and there and it, it was uh very revealing in the sense of after a while i'm like man i miss doing music like yeah i need to be doing it um and to this day i don't even know exactly how i should be doing it but um it was a it was a transition um the winners here are awful i hate them i hate them right now it's uh there's probably like almost a half a foot of snow outside
0: we we got like a once in a lifetime snow uh, this weekend and everybody flipped out. I mean, we got like three inches and it's a massive deal.
2: cuts down down, like, Oh yeah. 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 So it's been, it's been a struggle to figure out like my place. Um, and if we're talking about all the dimensions, I mean, even faith, like growing up being in the Christian, you know, music scene and also just always being in the church, you kind of don't even know where you stand on things. And eventually I, Kind of got uh, you know jaded in a lot of different ways where I just kind of didn't know what I believed and this and that. I don't. I I, I when I when I talk to people, I, I honestly can say I never gave up on my faith. I just had to kind of find ways to redefine it and make it, you know, what it should be and what it really is, kind of a thing.
0: Yeah, kind of yeah. moving from well, for me it was moving from like what my parents had essentially like told me it was correct into like, okay, well, what
2: do I really believe? Right. And, and there's-, there's, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. It, it can, it can sound like you're just like having an excuse to do this and that. And there was a time where I was really bitter towards the church because I had been burnt pretty bad. And I just said, okay, whatever, middle yeah. finger. Yeah. How, how's a nice way of putting it where I kind of just disconnected and had no accountability and no you know positive influence on my life and that that was that took a real heavy toll on me and it's stuff that that i still deal with to this day um the strange thing right now is i actually am part-time employed at a church which i would have never are you doing doing, doing worship music yeah yeah i'm the music director at a church a small town church um nice and I never would have seen myself doing that back in the day because A, I don't like worship music, which is funny when people ask me like, Oh, you're doing worship music. Yeah. I I kind of hate worship music. I, yeah.
0: I just, I had that same, I had to bow out of my uh worship end recently because I just like, I, well, I woke up one Sunday and I like lied and called my pastor and I was like, I'm sick. And then I, <laughs> and then I had to tell him, I was like, look, I like lied about that to get out of it. So like maybe I need to take a break. There's something here that's like really, I'm just not. I'm just not. I don't know. So I've been. I've been on a little sabbatical from it.
2: If there's some red flags there. Then you yeah, gotta,
0: that was a big yeah. old red
2: flag. Well, I just the thing is like I've been uh, I've been in worship teams since I was a kid. You know, because people are always like, oh, you do music, so you're gonna do it. Like yeah. So I realized it's recently it's your gift. It's your calling. Yeah. Right. I realized just the other day, like, I've never asked to be in a worship team. I've never said, hey, can I, you know, and so now that I'm overseeing four different teams at a church, of all people that are anxious to be doing music, uh, I kind of have to sort through all that stuff and figure out, you know, who needs to be where, and then I sit here and think to myself, I've never even asked to be here, but here I am. Um, It's it's a um, job. Oh, sorry, real quick, and you're recording on your end? Yeah.
0: Okay. It looks like it's not picking up mine. So I'm on my end. So I'm going to use yours. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have this going. So excellent. So it's well, what, what is your, where do you land on like, cause that, that was the struggle I had. I was like, okay, is this like, did God give me this for a reason? And, and am I just being a selfish bastard and just like keeping it to myself? Like, is it, is it like a calling and a gift and you really should be like, if nothing else, just like a service position?
2: Yeah, it's it's hard to say. Um, Yeah, I don't even know how to define it because, I mean, in one sense, I want it to be kind of professional because I've been doing it for so long. You know, when people say, can you come drum at our church? I kind of like, I would love to. If you can give me a little bit for it, I'll do it and I'll be happy about it. You know, that kind of a thing. Which is only because I don't have much time. Like, I used to feel guilty about asking for compensation, but, I mean, I really it's not that big of a deal at the end of the day because obviously like pastors get paid for, you know, doing what they do and everything. But, sure. um, but I, I still think at the end of the day, people need to be into what they're doing and believe in what they're doing and all that kind of stuff instead of feeling uh, uh, the things I was thinking about earlier today, even before you, I didn't know what we were going to talk about, but I had thoughts going through my head. Um, and one yeah. of the things I really struggle with in life, in a huge way, which I've never even admitted, like publicly, maybe to a couple of friends, is is I, I definitely am like a people pleasing kind of person where I, I want to make everybody happy, and at the end of the day, that can make, a lot of people frustrated me when you're, when yeah. you're doing. Yeah, so that's that's trying, me as well. Trying to find that balance, I mean, of being genuine and caring, but also just realistic, is is, is terrifying for me. Like it's it's literally something that has drawn, it's brought me to you know, areas of needing to medicate and things, like you know, because I guess the phrase that came to mind today is that you know, even well-intentioned, you know, people with giving spirits and even honest uh, spirits can find themselves being very uh, insincere a lot of times because they're trying to just be nice to everybody. So yeah, you can
0: really, you can only do you can only do so much that that was like uh that was like the biggest advice i took recently it was like you just really got to learn to say no because especially in um in aa like alcoholics anonymous like a big thing is service work and you got to do this that and the other and like i was doing you know way too much and getting really resentful about it and just like you know half-assing a bunch of
2: things instead of yep. doing one good thing and so right because it makes the other things that you want to do well suffer because you're oh yeah greatly ready. so that's something i mean just like you said i've heard people say you know say you know learn to say no or learn to a friend of mine back home in seattle would always say you know if you're on the phone with someone say hey i'll call you back and let you know instead of because i'm the typical guy that said hey can you do this i sure yeah because i hate saying no Right, and then what happens is I'll end up being, like you said, resentful about being in a situation, and then there you're stuck, uh, kind of feeling like you're lying to people in a way. Mm. Um, so that's something I'm I'm trying to wrap my head around and get better at.
0: But was that... was was part, yeah. of, part of the uh, jading? Did it have to do with like because you played in what like Dead Poetic, Demon Hunter? Was it? that side of the because that was like the that was what i grew up um like the first show i went to was beloved i think way back when nice. so that was the era i kind of uh we grew up in the the christian hardcore heyday i'll call yeah. it yeah um and then it, it like really bummed me out recently like you know starting it's been talked about a, a ton but starting with dave david bazan and then uh The dudes from Zao, just like really i was like it was like losing people off my baseball team i was like oh like what's going on here like like they don't believe in anything anymore i know like well i mean did you experience any of that kind of jading was there anything in that world that just really turned you off
2: yeah i i totally relate with all those guys like when when dave started i mean i grew up with dave i've known him since i was a kid well 13 whatever um yeah, and those are kid. I completely agree with like when he was like seeing Cornerstone and they're selling Jesus and this and that. Like, dude, I totally agree with it, but I don't know if that's enough to make me just abandon my faith because people are douchebags. Like, you know, for sure, that's that's, a, that's an age-old issue of you know sticking with your convictions despite you know other people. But the the industry definitely did. Um, make those things come up in me. And, and I mean, if you're talking about program related stuff, it's like, I need to deal with my side of the street, um, oh. instead of blaming other people for, you know, my, my issues. So there's, there are things that I've been responsible for talking step four kind of stuff. Um, my man that knows, not,
0: knows some step work, huh?
2: Well, a little bit, not, I'm not great at it, but, um, but there's, things that i have to eventually realize that were um were my fault you know even though i have a lot of ammunition where i could say this person did Mm -hmm. that and this person did that you know um so i mean this is stuff i've never really said to anyone outside of a closed conversation but um you know i have i have a lot of resentment towards certain experiences like the demon hunter experience they were good friends of mine i felt and then i immediately felt like they were just business guys that just were bottom line like this and this and this benefits them and then i felt rejected and i felt unappreciated and then there you go tossed aside and up. there's yeah that kind of a thing so um i moved to new york when I was, you know, playing with them in Seattle, so that I mean, that's it was a natural progression that just happened in a way. But um, I never really felt like I was appreciated for what I was doing, and there were things that I'm sure that I was responsible for um, that weren't the best or whatever. So I need to, I need to deal with that. I mean, that's kind of yeah part that I don't really say to a lot of people, right, but right. <laughs> but. But the business side of the industry was, back to your original question, was very frustrating and very disappointing and very discouraging. So. Well, and then, and, yeah.
0: Uh, is this stuff, well, obviously, I mean, so this is what, like, how far removed are you from this stuff? <laughs> Year-wise or actually, like, emotionally speaking? Well, well emotionally, I know. But a year, I'm trying to think year wise. Um,
2: man, it's been 15 years since I played with Demon Hunter, and yeah. then Dead Poetic. The cool, the cool thing is that Dead Poetic came right when I was exiting Demon Hunter, and that so Demon Hunter, uh, just to speak factually and not emotionally, was not really a band. It was a couple guys that ran an outfit. Um, mm-hmm. that was a, I would say a product in some way. So uh, I was never on the contract for Mm those records. So um, even if they sold a a few hundred thousand records, that was all going to them, which I would think as a emotionally driven person that I would uh, give somebody some benefits from that. If I, if they were helping my album sound great, Sure. Um, aside from that, uh, (laughs) I, I moved on to, to dead poetic, which was much more of a friendship, uh, active uh, healthy band situation so that only ended strangely because the singer brandon um had recently been married and i was kind of not wanting to tour as much so me and him were both the guys that turned down one of the tours which was our one of our biggest tours uh and then the label was pissed and blah 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 and then it took a while for us to even repair relationships with the other few guys but it was still a very cool band and we and it was it was more like a real band, is what I'm saying. Yeah. We all contributed, we all were even even partners and members, that kind of a thing. So that was a great experience and to this day I still cherish those memories. And you know, me and Dusty are, even though we don't we're still very good friends. Um, so that was great. But it's just been, you know, lately is a whole different side of the industry. So I try not to hold on to too much of that baggage, but it's there.
0: <laughs> well, what do you mean? What's that? The whole nother side of the industry.
2: Well, now I'm just, I, I run a studio. Oh, like you're yeah. in a whole nother. It works with uh, more just, I mean, for instance, today I've recorded a guy that's never been in a studio. So, oh, nice. So if I'm comparing like my side of the work with my brothers, like he's working with, industry savvy bands you know that are on labels that have you know huge fan bases and he has to produce you know hits for people you know whereas i work with people that are like i've never been in a studio so what do i do you know Uh, which i love that i really do yeah and i like the i like the contrast that you know me and him just put out an album that is uh has been you know greatly received by people and it's like this quasi high profile even though we're not on a label we can have that side of the spectrum and then i can work with a guy that's never been in a studio before so it's to me that's exciting but yeah that is pretty
0: rad so i like that so uh, going back to kind of the faith question is like so what do you what do you what do you think separates someone like you who because it's like everyone of it seems like you're gonna to get to one of these moments where it's like you either ditch or you, you, you either cash out or you go all in. Right? right. So like is it just you believed harder? Was it like did you have some spiritual experiences or it was just a slow grind of,
2: of just a evolving relationship or I would lean more towards the slow grind. I don't I don't have like a incredible story. Um I've seen I mean I I feel like personally myself I'm a huge fat failure um in a lot of ways as far as just I you know I wish I had been something else or I see you know after all these years i can I can barely provide for my family and I you know I struggle with this and that all that kind of stuff, but I still feel like there's no other answer than um, depending on God for what I have and what I am so. Yeah. I, I can't think of anything that's better than that. That's that's really it, you know. And, and and if we're talking program, higher power stuff, you know, like there's obviously, you know, people come into that situation. I talk to people that are complete either atheists or don't have any faith, and then they finally have to, re- you know, realize that there's something out there bigger than them, and that's really. I mean, not to get really vague and pokey pokey, but. I can't bring myself to ever believe that there's like, as far as being an atheist, so there's just nothing out there. Like, cause it's no. just, there's too much beauty in the world. I mean, as a, as a photographer and a musician, like I just like the world just is exciting and beautiful. So there's no way that's an accident. Yeah. Um, as far as how to define people's faith, as far as the details and how they live it out. That's where I kind of just say, I'm not going to force my agenda upon anybody. Um, and I've seen a lot of people that don't necessarily claim to be in a church that have some pretty powerful stories. Um, and that's, that's interesting to me, but
0: what, what, like, uh, well, a couple of things. Well, first, do you not think that like everyone feels that way though? Even like Anthony Kiedis, like is sitting there, like, I don't think I've done enough (laughs) because like, you know, from my humble perspective, like this is a privilege and I'm talking to the people freaking drummer for dead poetic and you've got five kids which is good and she, ugh, i got a ferret dude that's how i started <laughs> and so i i feel like it just ferret. go it is oh, she's lovely i <laughs> i feel like it goes like that all the way up the ladder oh, and i think man. i think you nailed it when he said it's, it's just like at the end of the day it's it's gotta be god that yeah. you look to for the because that's what i you know i tried you know i tried to find it in heroin and cocaine and chicks you know uh it's not there either so (laughs) yeah it's Um, not
2: i do believe it's not anywhere that (laughs) that we try to to find it but well that's the cool segue to um that's the cool segue to africa yeah it africa didn't like save me or whatever but it it brought a cool new light to so what happened the reason i got involved there is one of my clients who was recording albums here said, hey, we're starting this thing in Uganda um, and we want you to go. So what a normal person would do um, would be like, I got to think about this and pray (laughs) about it and talk to some people. It was one of those just light bulbs that went off. Like I've been wanting something more. I've been wanting to do something more with my music and with my talents or with whatever my passions are and it was just like it clicked i was like yeah i I just said yes i didn't i didn't say i gotta get back to you and and i did it completely like in my normal fashion like not thinking through the details like i didn't know really where uganda was or what it was or what was there (laughs) um i had to look it up and find out like where the heck is it it's over by kenya (laughs) Um, so which is another incredible story that is blows my mind by the way I'll get to in a second, um, but I just went and with this water project, and it just gave me a whole new perspective on. I mean, besides the obvious thing that happens with short-term missionaries, they go, like, "Oh my gosh, my
1: life's so good. I appreciate yeah.
2: everything." Yeah. Not really that. Yeah. Uh, I was humbled by the joy that people in Uganda have not having anything, and I'm miserable sometimes with like i mean just in the studio i have here which is not my home i could probably house like five families in uganda in this building right here um uh so i started doing that and it kind of just it gave me a little bit of a lift i mean i got back into photography i got you know my my music was enhanced you know i did one album right away that was like inspired by Uganda and people were like listening to it. Hey, I've never heard you sound happy before. <laughs> like <laughs> in music. Cause all my solo material, which is another like resentful thing. Like, yeah, I'm a drummer, but people like, Oh, you sing too. Um, I have like 12 or 13 albums of my own music, um, which is usually like really sad music. Um, that's my but, bread and butter, man. Yeah. That's my yeah, jam. Um, but I put this album out and they are like, you sound so happy. What's going on? Uh, <laughs> So that was kind of a lift for me and it's, and it's been cool, but also a challenge because trying to stay connected to a country in East Africa while maintaining, you know, your life in in the States here is very weird, but um, then eventually as I was traveling out there without getting too dramatic or critical, um, started to find that I needed to find my own niche there because I was going with this organization and they were doing what they were doing, which is great. And I'll always say good things about them, but it wasn't quite fitting with. There was it was still kind of. How do I explain it?
0: Um. I smell what you're stepping in. Yeah. Like it's.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of times where I just had to do things because it looked better or this and that. Yeah. Or yeah. And. Uh, and Ultimately, I just wanted to find a way where I was doing what I was meant to be doing. And it just happened. I didn't have to look for it. There was a group of kids in the slums of Kampala, Uganda that were just passionate about music. So every time I went to these kids, they just wanted to learn about music. And then it just hit me one day. I need to do something music-related. And What do they speak down there? um, They speak incredible English, actually. Really? Yeah. The language is Lugandan. The funny thing is... When I first went there, one of the guys that went with me was fairly fluent in um, Swahili, which is common in most countries other than the southern part of Uganda. Um, so they have they have Lugandan and then but m- most of the young kids are just super fluent in English, especially when you're near the city. As you start going out to smaller villages, then it gets to be like you need to have interpreters with you. Um so years later, I mean I started going almost 10 years ago. Um now we have a group called Paradise Uganda which is it, it's just a f- few people that were putting out an album to try to support one small community um in the slums of Kampala. So it, the- it's those kids? Yeah, they that's there's Oh, that's song. awesome. Yeah, it's seriously the coolest thing I've ever done in music. That's really cool. Like beyond like shows at cornerstone or you know being on headbangers ball or whatever it is like this isn't out just it's outstanding so we're putting the album out very soon and um the goal i mean artistically the vision is beautiful logistically it's a night it's a nightmare because we're all artists yeah. um <laughs> we're trying to find some people that'll help kind of get that part going uh and what was happening with the trips when i was with the water project is we would go out there you know they're putting water tanks in villages which is amazing and it's super important but they they would overbook our trips and we you know go to village after village after village and you know african culture is like they want to bring you in and spend time with you so we get to know people and then we just move on and it just broke my heart mm. so the last couple of trips i've done to to uganda we stay in that one area and we develop those relationships and get to know those people because i started to feel terrible that we were just okay i'm in your country yeah across the world and i don't get to spend time with you
0: yeah it's Um, it's the very like stereotypically american
2: thing to do so that was the main reason why i kind of started that that side project there um and I don't know where it's going to go and I don't want to promise too much to them. And, but if we can at least make a little difference in that community, encouraging their music and also maybe finding ways to help them support themselves, that's kind of one of the, one of the goals that we have. So. Yeah. What's, what's uh life like there? Like
0: what's the, what's the work? What's the, it's,
2: it's insane. I mean, that's
0: very broad, but you, uh, like paint a picture for uh, me, for us.
2: Uh, I mean, talking like Kampala proper, I mean, cause some of our friends that we know out there kind of live a little bit further out of the city and everything, but it's, I mean, it's, it's the weirdest, the memories I have being there. It's like, you're, you're mixing this third world, you know, out in the bush africa combined with you know post-apocalyptic you know crazy industrial cities like it's just weird walking through the ghetto there like there's times where i was like pinching myself because i'm like am i am i really here like what's happening right now you're just seeing stuff that you have maybe seen you know blurbs on the news or something just with just starving people and just Mm. And it's it's a crazy mix of in, insane poverty, but with like they just have these thankful, grateful hearts. So they've encouraged us a ton. It's just that the the work out there. We're just trying to find ways. I guess if I could sum this up super quickly, because I start to get emotional when I talk about it. So mm. um, is if we can just find a few different vocations for people where they can start to do little businesses. Cause I mean, for us, we all have a computer, we all have a lawnmower, we all have a car and this and that, but all of those things out in Uganda can be jobs for people. So if somebody had a lawnmower, they could be doing landscaping. If someone had a computer, they could be doing some computer job. If they had a car, which is crazy, um, they could be driving people around making money. So, but these are all things that we just have as a luxury. Um we have friends that make shoes, you know, there's a lot of jewelry making that actually helps. We have friends that make jewelry that we buy from them, bring back and we sell to benefit the cause, kind of a thing. But um but for instance, like the the one while our Paradise Uganda thing is still developing, there's one house that we're supporting. Like when I when people come up to me and say, Hey, how can I help out there? Yeah, that was my question. I want to give people like a concrete thing instead of saying hey we got this idea that's developing that may not, you know, come to anything soon. Um a friend of mine has a home for you know ex-street kids that she is like seriously the most badass human being I've ever met. Like she's from <laughs> Indiana or, or something. I think she's from Indiana. And she just moved out there and she runs this house with all boys that were crazy straight street kids so the kids that are of school age they help them go to school and the kids that are out of school um she helps them get jobs and all that kind of stuff but she's dealt with some stuff that we can't i mean mean, like ptsd kind of crap like it's it's insane like yeah um so that's the thing like whenever we get donations for africa or we have you know tithe money or something like hey we're sending it to amanda's house um which i'll send you that information you'll you'll love what they're doing
0: yeah please do Uh, we'll uh we'll post it for sure
2: yeah it's i just i can't even say how much i love what she's doing so and and of course christmas time coming i'm just like uh we gotta send something over for them because it's it's a fun time to say hey we love you we haven't forgotten yeah um and, and when we went there i brought my wife there for the first time um last december so it's been it's been a year which feels like two months but uh, and there's a ministry in rochester that specifically gets guitars for like uh you know poverty needy kind of areas around the world and they just said hey here's a guitar bring it with you to to uganda so we didn't know what we were doing with it and i and i had just met this girl so we went to her house saying you know do you guys need a guitar she's like yeah ours just broke like a month ago and we've got three boys that are trying to learn guitar and i'm like well that's that's weird yeah strange coincidence is what we say um so we brought it there and there's there's even a video online i'll send that to you too where the kids are just playing it and like i'm sitting there like trying to act tough you know cool guy like I am. my wife said, yeah. like, um and the side story which damn this this could be hours we could talk about this but my wife and i in 1996 is when i got married we went to this festival in the buffalo new york area called kingdom Band, which is there's a lot of christian bands that are kind of corny but um aside from that we found the compassion international table and You know, I'd already supported Compassion back home in Seattle. You know, our band, Poor Lou, had a kid and this and that. So we just like, hey, we're going to, as a new couple, we're going to get a kid. We look at this table like, that kid's really cute. (laughs) Okay. This is 21 years ago. Right now, right right now, Kenneth from Kenya, from Nairobi, is a good friend of mine and he produced two of the songs on that Paradise Uganda album. The kid that y'all adopted? Insane. Wow. So, and he was with us at that house when we brought the guitar to those people because he went over to Uganda to meet my wife for the first time because I've hung out with him a couple times. And he's a talented like singer, photographer, all this kind of stuff. And and he would write us letters like years ago saying, I want, you know, I want to do music like my daddy Jesse. And I'm just like, okay. Oh man. man. Now we're like friends and working together, like. I've had people say that needs to be in like a Compassion International. You
0: know, like yeah, money. that's because I, I, because I, I thought the story was gonna go like you found out your money was just wasted or something. That no, is not where I expected no, that I to don't. turn. That's incredible.
2: And, and in a way, and in a way, yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I've had really blunt conversations with uh, Cole May is his name, um, and he said, you know, the system itself is not that great. But he said, I thank God that they brought me to you is what Mm. i'm just like okay i'm gonna take that and yeah go with it yeah for sure uh, but he's just the coolest dude he's got a wife and a kid now and so we were sitting there in uganda with this kenyan family and you know i filmed it when my wife met him for the first time she's just like crying and sobbing and stuff like but um i don't know maybe it could encourage people because there is a lot of skepticism about supporting kids like that or you know missions and things like, you know i can say you can find problems with anything but if if you yeah. just decide to be take the positive spin on it
0: well um, I, th- I think it's just there has been um i think a lot of people just want to make sure that like they're that their money is going to actually help someone right which well, i think is fair
2: it's fair but i i have a couple thoughts with that because i've had conversations with friends about That look at it like a business. I want to know, like, people that want to Mm. support what I'm doing. Like, I want to know, in one sense, I get it. And you don't want to give money to people that are just going to be squandering it. But at the same time, when God tells you to give to something, what happens on the other end is their deal. Like, you, yeah, you saying, I'm giving to somebody. Um, I've had, we, I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for friends of ours that say, Hey, we're just going to, Send you some money because I've had. I'm the yeah. most functional person as far as being a professional provider for my family, and there are times where I don't feel like I've been responsible with money. Like there's times I've been really. I feel like I've been taken advantage of with my time and my and my services. But it's not like I'm perfect and uh, and responsible all the time. So <laughs> how people, dare you? Yeah, exactly. But when people give to us, they're saying we love your family. We're giving you money. Yeah. Um, so if I was having a hard time right then it could have been because you know life's tough and people are taking advantage of me or it could have been because I just was in a bad spot because I'm not good at what I'm doing you know mm. so, point being is like when you give to something I really believe it's like I'm gonna give to it and just believe that whatever happens is great and that I'm doing it because I was called to do it you know yeah that's um, I like
0: that a lot so it's, a, it's a tricky balance but it is but I think yeah I think Uh, especially this especially this day and age like literally my we just we overthink everything well
2: when i'm I'm in uganda i have to think smartly about because we get approached like all day long from people that want something from us or need money for this and that and i and i so what do you do there i i have to actually have accountability people out there that can filter that out because i'm the kind of person that will give everything all the time and then what would happen is like I could be, hey, we don't have any money to get home. <laughs> yeah. So we just have to kind of uh, talk to other people and say, hey, can you figure out, you know, what we should do here? Like, anyway. So yeah, that is, that's, that's gotta a, be
0: a, that's gotta be overwhelming to basically be in like an epicenter of need. It's like, okay, so you have to find a niche and just commit a hundred percent to that.
2: Yeah. Well, and the interesting thing is we're not like in South Africa where there's like tons of white people. Everywhere. We go to a part, of, <laughs> we go to a part of Kampala where like white people don't go. Like it's, is it it's like not,
0: dangerous for you or they just don't um, go
2: there? They say it's dangerous, but I, I feel like, cause I know certain people, it's not really an issue, but, is but it you like can go, you can is go it, days without seeing it. Like, like somebody from the States or whatever. Cause it's just, is it war torn? Um, it's not as bad now. Like, there's a, a family from my church actually that went there in the 70s they took the whole oh, family, geez. and that's when it was Idi Amin time and he was like had seen just like assassinated and killed in front of him um to me I think it's a lot better now if you go further north where they had all the LRA stuff I've mm. seen some a little bit more disturbing stuff there but um to me Kampala is beautiful and I just kind of I always expect the best out of people, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, hey man, I'd rather be yeah disappointed than jaded. I suppose that's yeah. that's but it's
2: point, hard. But the point is, you don't. There's not really any white people around there, so like people will gravitate towards you. Like, hey, maybe like they'll yeah. either be excited or they're kind of you know whatever, whatever. Yeah. They,
0: but, you, there's yeah. no there's no <laughs> slinking into the crowd to, to to hide.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And of course, like a lot of them. Yeah, a lot of people remember the the marked man because I have a, a sleeve on my right arm. And they don't see anybody that's a missionary with a with a bunch of tattoos. So
0: the marked man—that's that's the coolest nickname I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Little kids try to like wipe my tattoos off and stuff. <laughs> Anyways, that's it's it's been a great part of my life, but it's also kind of emotionally exhausting at times. So.
0: Uh yeah, I'm very sure, but yeah. So you bring water to the fine folks in Uganda, but you're a failure, right?
1: That's
0: that's what I'm hearing. Uh, Jeez, come on. I get it, though. Well, dude, this has been sweet. Um, Yeah, definitely send me the links so I can um, post that. Oh,
2: yeah, I got lots of of fun Um, stuff.
0: When's the next time you're going there?
2: I actually don't have a specific plan. I just got asked from – friend of mine from Seattle that does a lot of international stuff uh, about going in May. So I might I might take him up on that.
0: Cool. Have your kids gone?
2: Uh, my daughter, actually. My oldest daughter went when she was 12 or 13. And she had an incredible time.
0: Oh, uh, sure. I, I definitely want to
2: bring more of my kids. I also have a heart for uh, a community in Belize in Central America, which I really want to return to as well. But I just can't be everywhere all the
0: time. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, well dude thanks for uh thanks for taking the time yeah man and uh we'll
2: definitely have to we'll chat again we can't just we can't just end it here what's that i <laughs> said so we got to continue the friendship we can't just yeah yeah for sure man yeah i'll uh i'll send you those links
0: She promises you'll never be cold. The words are such as to turn you until you are sold. Walk in walking this road and running the ground where we know
2: every light's gone in the light of this sin.
1: Back. It's weird. It made me feel uncomfortable a little.
0: Back. <laughs> and we back. Oh, uh, back. Uh, today on NPR. So. Yes, Chad. <laughs> I got some good today, I learned. Well, this isn't even today I learned, but did you see that a fucking UN official went to Alabama and on like a, uh, uh, did you see this? Your face says you didn't. No. Oh my god! I'm
1: I so I'm not really connected anymore. Oh, I'm that's so, so good. Officially, I'm, like unconnected or tried to. Damn, I need to do that. I'm <laughs> worse than
0: ever. We really need to. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, well, yeah, we'll talk about it. Um, a uh, UN official went to Alabama and says it's uh-huh. the worst poverty he's seen in the developing world. Like. So it's basically like the world sent an emissary to Alabama <laughs> to be like, "Yo, y'all are
1: fucked up." Come on to South Carolina, then. And did you or Louisiana? I did, did you
0: know? This is what's funny. I Yo, didn't know this.
1: Deep South, there's some hoe, like yeah, holes in the yeah, floor, yeah, yeah.
0: dirt but, floor, poor. Well, people what kind of brought it up was there was like a hookworm outbreak, and what's interesting is hookworms are most likely. You know, the, the big Southern joke is that. Everyone's inbred and stupid and slack jawed mm-hmm. because they're inbred. In mm-hmm. reality, it was most likely because of hookworms. that literally, Really? That literally, like, make you dumb.
1: Interesting. Yeah. From the water. Yeah. From bad water. Isn't that interesting. interesting? Yeah. That's fascinating. Uh, also, um, disclaimer inbreeding is still really, really bad. Yes. And you will make really awful babies. Correct. Uh,
0: correct. Which reminds <laughs> me, I'm going. <laughs>
1: you're coming back to south carolina are you gonna make a south carolina joke
0: no i was gonna make a inbreeding joke but i i digressed
1: okay well moving on i
0: chose the high road uh you know why go across the street when you can go across the hall you know what i'm saying but uh hey hey. um
1: (laughs) (laughs) so awkward
0: it is uh no speaking of being connected so i like I've been on the internet so much, but we did our 12 – we got – me and my friends every year get our Christmas pictures taken at JCPenney in, like, really ridiculous glamour I'm shots. I really
1: – I look forward to it every year. They're great. I, and I'm also really jealous, and I'm not in them, if we can be honest with well, each other. Well, we can try one year. So Can you guys just Photoshop me into it? That would be even better. Like, really terribly
0: <laughs> would be the way to yes, do it. Yes, please. Um, but what happened this year was imager freaking reposted our shit on facebook Mm -hmm. which is which you know it
1: you're internet famous again
0: i'm internet famous again dude it it made me feel like really how many like which is how many
1: how many strangers on the street did you tell and show
0: lots a lot (laughs) like
1: (laughs) my work found them which
0: was hilarious -uh. like like just by act, like they just stumbled upon them
1: that's
0: so funny um because you work with some of the you work with some of the dudes right yeah some of the dudes still work with you Uh, oh we all yeah we all work there basically Mm -hmm. pretty much all of us (laughs) we work at the same (laughs) fucking place it's (laughs) hilarious uh dude my last day is
1: friday son oh shit making the move making (laughs) the move that's crazy it's really it's a new chapter yeah uh so
0: how do you feel yeah how do you feel about that well yeah good i mean just nervous you know good but i was gonna say congregation so um i had my graduation ceremony for drug school and they they had this dude uh don hidalgo is his name which is awesome that's just (laughs) awesome uh he was the super i thought you were gonna say dong no dude don hidalgo uh He was a super old, old dude, and he was the dude giving the keynote address or whatever commencement address. And I was uh-huh. like, "Ugh, this dude's like old. What is he gonna say?" He, he literally <laughs> looked like a a, sti- uh, a stiff breeze. You were, dis-
1: you were disgusting, sir. I'm like,
0: dude. I'm a judging machine. You're an ageist. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh,
1: old people are disgusting. And this
0: dude, this dude was the first licensed addiction counselor in Louisiana. He it, oh, he yeah. like. He's the one the governors call when they need, like, uh, drug advice. Like, he's been, like, been a watch. He's just this crazy accomplished guy, like, for he's drug advice. the one adv- that
1: the governors call when they need a script. No. Negative, sir.
0: <laughs> he would take offense to that joke. All right. He would.
1: <laughs> I thought that was really funny. I don't know. Maybe just me. You're all offending.
0: Right, well, tough crowd. Hidalgo. Tough crowd. Uh, but he said <laughs> something that was just very cool and, um, something that Hit I've me. always thought, but it was cool that he said it. He was just telling this story about an encounter he had with a priest early, way back in the whatever, 30s or 40s or 50s or whatever. He he really is like seriously old. Uh, <laughs> and back then people didn't understand alcoholism or didn't understand uh-huh. what a counselor was. And a sure. priest came up to him and says, I'm really uh, excited about like your ministry. And so he was like, Ministry, what are you talking about? He's like, That's exactly what, what this is a, a ministry. Mm-hmm, and so, and, mm-hmm. and he went, it was like, and that's what I'm relaying to y'all is like, This is a ministry, and like, this is a calling. And not every it was just real, like, oh shit, like, hell yeah, like, let's go do this. Yeah, it was a yeah, really yeah. cool moment. I was like, Wow,
1: it takes a special kind of person to be a drug and alcohol. Ca- I mean, you have to talk about patience, bro, yeah. and like being on the firing lines and seeing just tragic shit all the time. Um, every so congregants who aren't in recovery, everybody like when they get ninety days is gonna be a drug counselor. Every single person that gets sober, they get ninety days like I'm gonna give my life and be a drug counselor. Yeah, and then nobody actually does it. No, nobody. <laughs> nobody does, does, it. does it because it's like it's, it's hard fucking work.
0: Yeah, and, and it, it's hard. And it's
1: it's like it's emotionally taxing. Um, the burnout rate is through the roof. Yeah. Uh, most people don't last more than a year doing it. A lot of people that are in recovery that become drug and alcohol counselors relapse. Um, so you know, no pressure, Jed. Yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Jeez. No, but I'm excited. So I'll just you know I'll just throw this out there. If anybody out there is the praying type, just you know remember
1: remember your your favorite co-host is. That's right changing careers that's right i'm the i'm the host and you're the co-host remember yeah. okay, that okay i'm batman and you're Robin.
0: fine did you know they used to stop f- the original batman with like adam west
1: uh-huh um the really like the weird 60s one yes weird.
0: yes they would have to stop filming frequently because burt ward the guy that played robin would pop an erection and in his costume it was like was probably out yeah so they would have
1: to stop filming <laughs> I was actually gonna, I was actually gonna guess that. Not that I was, I was gonna guess somebody got an erection. I didn't know who it was, but somebody is getting an erection.
0: Hilarious! That's so funny. So in the official today, I learned though. This one is just for you, Jay.
1: Today I learned.
0: learned. Um, during the Cold War, Uh Ronald Reagan and Mm -hmm. uh, who was it? Gorba, I call them the Gorbachev, rakes. sorry. Ronald Reagan and Gorbachev agreed to pause the Cold War mm-hmm. in the event of an alien invasion.
1: What?
0: So That's crazy. Yeah. That's cray. So this is the quote. As Jimmy Orr reported for the Christian Science Monitor, Schultz was talking about the Lake Geneva summit and mentioned the two leaders ducked out of a meeting to take a walk to a nearby cabin. From the fireside house, President Reagan suddenly, this is Gorbachev talking, from the mm-hmm. fireside house, President Reagan suddenly said to me, what would you do if the United States were suddenly attacked by someone from outer space? Would you help us? I said, no doubt about it. He said, we too. So that's interesting. Gorbachev said to much laughter. Like,
1: <laughs> that's so dope though. They basically How like, many okay, bourbons okay. happened before that? How many what? Yeah. How many bourbons happened before that? Probably a ton.
0: But that's it's so funny. It's like, listen, I will nuke you, but if I see Except an alien, like, aliens. time out. Time's out. Time is out.
1: Call
0: we, our game call, on. Yeah, exactly. Alien. Alien. <laughs> time out. Okay, time in. Game on. Oh, man. um, And this one's just adorable. In Switzerland, it is illegal to have guinea pigs alone because they get lonely totes adorbs it's illegal like good job switzerland you have delicious chocolate and your like, guinea pigs are so happy
1: they're the most fuzzy feel-good country on the planet also they like reportedly people are the happiest there and in, in the whole world because so. everyone's
0: gorgeous it's beautiful like yeah because there's like it's six the people
1: tundra. it's the tundra what are you
0: talking about
1: Switzerland? Switzerland
0: is beautiful. It's green. That's where Party Hitler is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you thought
0: I had, you thought I went away? It is I, Party Hitler. I ran to Switzerland to eat all the chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, me and the Swiss government. I've been meaning to, to bring back Party Hitler, which I realized like if you, if you don't yeah, have Patreon, yeah, that was on a
1: bonus episode. Yeah, you're we, not gonna We so um, we came, we actually found proof that Hitler is still alive in South America, and he's just a giant raver. Yeah, he runs, he runs a uh, he, a no, d- tech, Party Hitler, Party
0: Hitler, Yas <laughs> <Yes>, Queen. <laughs> That's a good one to end on. Send oh. us an email. Join our Patreon if you want to hear the Party Hitler episode. It is a good one. Patreon.com uh, backslash Church and Other Drugs. Just send us an email. <laughs> church and Other Drugs.
1: Send us an email. It's me, a Party Hitler. It's a me, a Party Hitler. Goodbye. <laughs>